0: Hello, Radiant Soul family. Welcome to a brand new episode of Ceremony Circle. I'm your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles, and you're about to enter into the most special and personal interview I've ever done. Today's guest is none other than my sacred romantic partner and love of my life and fiance, Luke Story. Now, he's 24 years sober now, but before that, He was immersed in years of daily hardcore drug addiction and alcoholism, and we actually get into the root of all of that for him and what he feels pivoted him into those behaviors. He was also immersed in severe love avoidance and fear of commitment, and it has been so astonishing to be with a man who is just so devoted to surrender, shadow work, facing oneself, devoting to truth rather than denial or illusions, and so much more. In fact, not all that long ago, Luke had no desire to be monogamous or to start a family. And we also cover an aspect of his past that he's actually never spoken about before publicly that many of you may consider to be quite shocking. And now, of course, here Luke and I are engaged, soon to be married. We moved across the country together, bought a house together So Luke is such a testament for anyone as to how far one can come and evolve during just one lifetime. So like I said, we talk very in-depth and oftentimes about never-before-shared stories around a relationship, including the fact that we were actually unexpectedly married during our third date out in the desert during a sacred medicine ceremony, Yes, you heard me correct, and we talk all about it in this episode. We also dive into celibacy, we go into detail around his 20 months of it and my nearly five years of it, and why we say it's actually easy to do. We talk about how he's able to hold such infinite safe space for me to be in all of my fullest expressions and glory at all times, how to shed insecurities, especially insecurities that ping up in romantic relationships how and when he knew he wanted to propose to me, and the detailed story of that happening with tiny baby sea turtles in Mexico, additional keys to how we thrive in such a high level daily, including how we handle online trolls. And with that, I have to share with you guys, this is my all-time favorite quote when it comes to anything around that category, whether we you know, want to refer to them as haters, trolls, unhealed folks, whatever you want to call it, this is my favorite quote. And it's from the actor Christian Bale. He says, quote, if you have a problem with me, call me. If you don't have my number, then that means you don't know me well enough to have a problem. Boom. Boom. And of course, at the end of every Ceremony Circle podcast episode, the ceremonial ritual or healing offering that the guest brings, Luke shares a brief yet super medicinal guided meditation that can create some pretty monumental shifts within yourself and your life instantly. So be sure to stick around all the way to the end of the episode to immerse in that. And I want to thank Star Animal Sundays for making this episode possible. They are a line of ethically sourced, repurposed gold fine jewelry that you might have guessed it specializes in and highlights the world of power animals and you know that is one of the aspects of shamanism that is most near and dear to my heart the power animal world emerged as my first guides after my spiritual awakening and even came to me to be a voice for them in writing the animal power book and card decks that will be out this year. So I recommend you heading to www.staranimalsundays.com. Staranimalsundays.com, and simply and simply tuning in, feeling into all the animal options, and allowing your intuition to reveal to you what animal's medicine is calling to you most right now. They have necklaces, rings, bracelets. All of the diamonds are ethically sourced and the gold is repurposed. I'm currently wearing my horse necklace, one of the main healing attributes of horse is connecting to your fullest inner divine power and freedom, and I've been feeling those vibes lately. And at checkout, be sure to use the word Star Power, all capital letters Star Power, because not only will that get you a beautiful discount, but 25% of sales using that code will be donated to a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. It's called the Boa Foundation, and they work to preserve sacred and indigenous wisdom traditions from around the globe. All right, Soul Fam, you are about to have a front row ceremony circle seat for a super honest, intimate, vulnerable, and mystical ride with me and my fiance, Luke Story. Thanks for slating my show, honey.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know, I'm always willing to be of service.
0: Oh, wow. What a special moment to have you. I just sound like I'm going through puberty. (laughs) I didn't realize I was losing my voice and I've got two interviews to do today. This is going to be interesting. Your
1: voice is cracking like a 16-year-old working at Pizza Hut. (laughs) Sir, can I take your order?
0: (laughs) I used to love Pizza Hut. I would get their barbecue chicken pizza all the time. Mm,
1: Pizza. Grandma
0: and grandpa would take me there and I used to also love their garlic cheese bread.
1: Oh yeah. It's my drug of choice. <laughs> bread Carbs. and bread and cheese.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm going to talk to my throat and throat chakra for a moment. Let's tune in here and let's uh call in some divine strength and fortitude as I did not realize I was feeling fatigued. Mm. Okay, let's hope that worked. Hi. <laughs>
1: Hi, Allison. Nice to meet you.
0: (laughs) Thanks for coming on Ceremony Circle with me.
1: Yeah, it's a long time coming.
0: It is. I was just waiting for the right time, you know, and once we had ventured around what felt like the world, trying to figure out where we were supposed to move, when it became clear that we were going to be here, where we are now in Texas, I just, I wanted to wait till we got here to do this for some reason, and today's the day.
1: Well, it's all in divine timing. You've had a few practice runs, you know, getting yourself warmed up, getting your feet wet. I'm probably the easiest of them, of course, because you know me so intimately. Well, I don't
0: know. I mean, I think, I mean, it's going to be a beautiful ride no matter what. I'm just going to let it organically flow. But it's almost like when you know someone so well, it, I don't know, it just, uh, it was interesting when I was feeling in what to talk about today. But I want to first thank you for being such a supporter of this podcast and, helping me to launch it, as you know, and anyone who's listened to previous episodes, you probably know it was many lifetimes in the making. And I was just waiting like I always do for the correct call to, if I was even supposed to do one. And, uh, you have been so helpful and just, you know, there's a lot that goes into podcasts and I don't know how many people realize how much it goes into one. I mean, if you could see there's so many cameras and lights and lugging equipment around and feeling into the interviews. And there's just, there's a lot. So thank you for your help.
1: Sometimes I forget that the task work around producing a podcast with reliability and hopefully quality content uh, came piecemeal for me. There was just first I Got two little mics. When have people come over, I'd do them on Skype back then, and I just have one mic and my computer. And then, as things go with me, as you well know, <laughs> it's like if I'm going to do something, <laughs> I'm going to do it all the way. It's yeah. just kind of the way that I was designed uh, by the creator. <laughs>
0: it's so funny. I love. That's one of my favorite things to observe about you is that particular attribute. Even today, it's the smallest example, but carrying these huge lights. And I'm like, I don't need to do mine the way that you do yours, you know, and, and you're like, oh, if we're going to do it. We got to go all the way with it. And even with the renovations of our home, we operate quite differently in that regard. But I'm so glad you are the way you are because it's that like super high level particular attention to detail that I think does take things to a level that most don't go to. And you have that so ingrained in you. So when you want to go to the house for the 10th time to measure for the bathtub, I'm like, you know, let's do it because I know that that's going to be what allows our house to just be so beautiful.
1: It probably, for those listening, she's not even exaggerating. It's probably been 10 times. Just for the bathtub. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's funny, you know, it's like, it's one of those razor's edge qualities, right? In my former life, which I'm sure we might allude to.
0: It's next on the list.
1: I'm just a full-on obsessive kind of at times compulsive person. And um, in my prior life, that was in an effort to just self-medicate and escape from any remote feeling of being me because it was so uncomfortable to be in my body as this person for a number of reasons but as i've healed over the years i'm not doing things generally that are self-destructive but it is a balancing act of knowing you know when i'm going into control mode and when i'm just being efficient mm-hmm. and thoughtful and creative right because there's there's a gray area in there where you realize you're getting into some degree of neurosis
0: well how do you know because that is like one I have the, no idea.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's one of
0: the next questions that I, I actually wanted to start yeah. with all of this. And I have here, you know, you're 24 years sober at this point, but how do you ensure it doesn't start to take over even when it comes to the wellness side of things or the biohacking side of things?
1: You know, I've really done a lot of work around that. And there have been quite a few awakenings where I realized that so many of my efforts of self-preservation and just wanting to have as much vitality as I can in my being that have also at times been used as a distraction, right? So rather than just being with myself and just being present, which ironically I'm pretty good at, been meditating for, I don't know, I guess 24 years really, quite with a lot of commitment for the past many, many years, 20 of those four or so, So I'm really good at just being, and I love the void. I love the expansiveness of just being within myself and my own consciousness. Uh, But at the same time, there is a part of me that wants to just keep moving and producing and producing and producing. And um, because I have that propensity for production and just getting shit done, it takes a lot of energy. So there's like moments of rest and uh, restoration, and healing that need to take place sporadically throughout the day. And then there's times when it's just go time. So as I started to heal on all levels, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, those many years ago, and it's of course an ongoing process, I started to dabble into the physical because I realized that I had really harmed my body Uh, biochemically through the way that i used to live and so i got into what was then called like anti-aging even though i got into it when i was like 27 or something and now it's called biohacking and you had
0: lived a lot of lives by 27 already this is true
1: and it's just you know it's like i've just always found it strange that people live a lifestyle that causes pathology and then when they have such a lack of vitality or even further than that disease, then they go to a doctor and are generally, not all doctors, but generally the system that we're operating in is going to pump you full of toxic drugs and carve things out of you. And I just, it just never made sense to me. So I just decided years ago to become my own doctor, basically, and just have a sense of sovereignty and and also really just taking responsibility for myself. If you know me, I mean, I'll get sick from eating ice cream or pizza or whatever, and then I'm like, I'm never doing that again. And then you'll see me do it again. You're like, honey, honey, remember last time? And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm willing to take the hit. You know, I take responsibility for myself. So to answer your question, as I've gotten healthier emotionally and mentally and just cleared a lot of the wreckage of my past, there have been moments where I've had these realizations that like, wow, what if you just let all of this go? You know, what if you just woke up, drank a glass of water, ate a burger and lived your life instead of the many, many rituals that i engage in as you know and then i come out of those and it's like i've had to really just accept that it's in my nature to be that way and to fight myself and to fight those drives at always improving and continuing to heal and upping my energy and working on my sleep and all the things that i do it's like i would really be at war with my nature and so if i were to ever just let all of that go and just write it all off as an effort to control my environment and my experience in a way that was unhealthy, I think it would have to happen by providence. What's that mean? uh, It means that God would have to just go, poof, you don't have those drives anymore.
0: And so, is it safe to say that you don't view, and I'm not meaning this in any sort of negative way, I'm just wanting to hear from you, you you don't view… The way you interact with the wellness side and the biohacking side as addictive as an addiction
1: i think there's probably some of that in there i don't know so much as addiction because addiction to me would be something that is deleterious to your well-being and something that you really really want to stop doing but you lack the wherewithal within yourself to stop mm-hmm. And if I was given a good enough reason to stop taking freaking vitamins or something, I could do it, you know what I mean? So addiction, maybe not, but I would say that I'm very habituated to feeling really good Mm -hmm. and have gotten quite skilled at managing my energy levels and my mood. And so I don't wanna stop, but if there were a good reason, Mm -hmm. I could and would.
0: That makes sense.
1: Whereas there are other things in my past. I mean, all sorts of different behaviors and chemical dependencies of <laughs> just about every kind you can think of. And I didn't want to be doing those things, but I was compelled to do so beyond any measure of self-control. And that is addiction.
0: So let's talk about that. You had mentioned right when we first started that it was just so un. Godly, uncomfortable for you to just feel yourself and to be in your own body. What was the root of that uncomfortability? Why was it so hard for you to?
1: It's funny talking about it now because it's like comparatively to the vast majority of people on the planet that are birthed into poverty and socioeconomic distress and societal issues that were far beyond mine um, third world countries indigenous peoples etc it's like looking back i think why were you so uncomfortable right like why was life so painful so there's that side of it but the thing is is really i think we all experience trauma subjectively and and this might be a stretch but with close to equality meaning that If I break my leg and you break your finger, one could say that it's much more traumatic to break your leg than it is your finger. But the pain that you experience when you break your finger to you could be subjectively as traumatic as the pain that I experience because we're all wired physiologically when we enter into a body to withstand whatever that experience is. And it's my understanding and experience that we sign up for whatever we end up going through. So for me, It started out with sexual abuse when I was a kid on a number of occasions. And that was really when there was a major punctuation mark in my experience of being the little kid they call Luke. Uh, I remember distinctly at around five or six when uh, that first took place that I just started having all of these behavioral problems I mean, I was having run ins with the police when I was six years old, literally getting kicked out of school in first grade for fighting and just stealing and lying. And I just, whatever moral character I was born with and inherently possessed was just completely wiped away by those experiences. And the root of it through all of my exploration is really in that. And the funny thing about that particular type of abuse, and there were other. Issues of neglect and abandonment and all sorts of things that I experienced that I would say aren't healthy for a kid to experience. But that one in particular, when your body is violated, when you're too young to understand what is happening and how to contextualize it, and there is no one present in your life that you feel you can trust to share that experience with and work through it, it's a compounding trauma it's like had i wound the clock back and had that experience and had the wherewithal or courage i guess perhaps or even just an understanding of this was wrong and i need to talk about this with a parent or something i think if i would have had and i'm not blaming my parents because you know i've worked through that but let's just say that happened, and I went to my mom, and I said, "Hey, like I'm feeling really strange here. The babysitter, you know, did some funny business, and um, I'd like to talk to you about it." And my parent was in in a place of maturity and mental health and emotional health, and understood if they were in touch with their consciousness and their spirituality in a way where they could have held that experience and helped me to process it and heal it. I think the trauma would have been less extreme you know it's almost it's like a compounding series of traumatic thoughts and feelings that mm-hmm. take place over the course of many years after a kid experiences something like that
0: do you remember at that age after that happened do you have any sort of conscious recollection of you feeling or mm-hmm. thinking i'm trying to figure out what i'm even trying to ask it's like i'm just curious did you have any sort of understanding that it was wrong and, and do you have a remembrance that you felt shameful or icky or like what do you remember yeah, thinking?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really at the core of it, getting back to the question of why did I feel so uncomfortable being me that I needed to anesthetize and develop all of these compulsions, obsessions, addictions, etc. And I think the underlying experience was that, that there's something deeply wrong with me meaning it wasn't something that I felt guilty about because I wasn't really responsible for it. And guilt is more about something that you've done, right? They give you $20 extra at the bank when you're making a a withdrawal. And you notice it when you get in your car and you go, Hey, I'm just gonna keep it. It was meant to be. They won't, yeah, they won't miss it, right? And then later that day, you're like, ah, that wasn't right. You know, I should probably take that money back. Yeah, know? which is like what God I would do. God wanted
0: me to have it,
1: right? I mean, you could rationalize <laughs> it, but but that would be something one would feel guilty about, or say you're short with your partner, and you're grumpy and mean, and you know, giving them attitude that's unnecessary or hurtful. Uh, that would be something that can be pretty easily cleaned up, right? Because it was just an action that you participated in when you were being less than thoughtful, right? But shame is not about something that you did, it's about something that you are. Mm. It's that there's not that I did something wrong, it's that there's something different and wrong with me. So, so ensued, you know, half a lifetime, at 50 now, I guess it would be half, and even even into my sobriety, when it, which is when things really started to turn around for me and I started to awaken, there was a feeling of, I think based in that shame, there was a feeling of, Abject loneliness and disconnection from others because there was something about me that I felt was so deeply wrong and shameful that I wouldn't allow myself to be seen and I couldn't allow myself to have, I mean, whatever relational intimacy looks like with kids, right? So it's like I couldn't relate to my parents. I couldn't be intimate to them because I'm holding this huge secret. I held that secret until I was 14. But even after that, there was you know lots of work to do so it's like it's not only that event but then based on that shame and that disconnection and that felt sense of being so uncomfortable then there was all this acting out to get attention or to just distract myself from that feeling Mm. of there being something so wrong with me and that's when i'm six years old and i'm i'm lighting fires and uh, reading dirty magazines and uh, breaking st- into
0: neighbors' houses. Yeah,
1: stealing and you know robbing people's homes and doing all of this. I mean, a lot of that was later and in, in in an effort to find drugs because it's hard to procure drugs when you're like eight or nine years old. Well, it's not that hard actually, but at times it was hard. And when you're addicted to drugs, it's not like that aching craving takes a vacation. It's pretty consistent. So. It's like I'm ashamed about who I am because of those early experiences. Then I keep compounding that shame by doing things that morally I know are wrong mm-hmm. on a soul level as a kid and as a teenager. I know that I'm not supposed to be a pathological liar and a thief and you know, hurt other people in the ways that I did, but I was compelled to do so and I couldn't stop because it was necessary. It was like a coping mechanism in order for me to do that. And you know starting at such an early age which i i don't think is that common most people i know that fell into addiction and alcoholism it was like a high school thing maybe a college thing and even in some cases people went off to college had a career got married had a couple of kids and then started drinking too much and you know found themselves with the problem at 35 40 years old whereas for me and i'm so grateful for this because i I sped through so much life experience so early on that by the time i was 26 i was ready for the full monty of god realization because i was so desperate and thankfully so humiliated <laughs> i was humiliated but also so humbled by the the pain that i had experienced for all of those years and so you know looking back it's all a gift i, I don't think i would do any of it differently mm-hmm. even the abuse it's as weird as that might seem it's like when i look back on all of that it doesn't have the emotional charge it used to because ah oh, there's just been so much exploration of those experiences but mm-hmm. had i not had the experiences i had i wouldn't be the man i am today definitely and the man i am today is one that on an ever increasing level i really love even the things about myself you know the fact that i take 50 vitamins every morning and i'm this nut that's just so full on it's like i actually really love that part of myself you know and uh, <laughs> and as i said earlier it's like I don't know I tried to I tried to fight who I am in so many ways for so much of my life that it feels really good to just go like ah, this is just me you know and if I can yeah if I can channel my energies and those innate traits that I have toward service to others then along with some of those things that might even be borderline neurotic comes a life of fulfillment and joy because I'm using those gifts and even my wounds to serve and um coming from a perspective of animal level survival for so much of my life where there was no way to not be pathologically self-centered but to be other-centered some of the time you know it's a process (laughs) i would say most of my life is about helping other people and then my survival is just kind of embedded within that as an automatic byproduct uh, in terms of my career and things like that. And then lastly, it's such a wonderful experience to be with you and to be in a position in my life where not only I have the courage to fully be seen uh, in all my wild <laughs> glory, uh, but also to just be completely held and accepted and loved. And it really is the first time in my life I've not held back any aspects of myself from another person i mean i've had some guy friends that really know me but uh, you know if it's a platonic relationship obviously they're not
0: living with you yeah there's gonna
1: i mean you know inherently there's a different level of intimacy when you're not physically (laughs) intimate with someone right yeah but i think when you have the reflection of someone just deeply loving you and accepting you without reservation it creates an amazing mirror by which one can reflect that to themselves and so the way that you love me is an amplification of the ways in which i've learned to love myself Mm -hmm. and vice versa you know the more that i'm able to really honor and love myself all of myself not just the parts that i think look polished on the outside but even some of the shadow elements Then I'm able to also see you in the same light of perfection. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to see you that way, honestly. I mean, it's there are very few times throughout the day, if any, many days where I'm like, ah, this bit's right here. I'm going to love her anyway. You know what I mean? There's just, I just love your beingness so much. But that's only because I have the capacity to be in that energy field of love that I've been cultivating for all of these years. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you know, I'm in love with myself or that I'm in love with you per se. It's just that I'm in love period. Mm-hmm. And you happen to be the person with whom I'm sharing that field.
0: Yeah. So one thing that really stood out is when you're talking about the the charge, you know, like the electrical or emotional or energetic charge that sometimes goes with certain encounters, experiences that we have in life. And I'm pretty positive you've talked about this on other podcasts. When I bring this subject up, like, give me a high sign if you (laughs) have it. But I'm pretty positive you're... I think
1: I've talked about just about everything there is.
0: So it just brought to mind, you know, the fact that when you were way more at the entry level, mark 20 whatever years ago of healing and inner exploration, when you would go to brothels,
1: uh, okay.
0: You've talked about that, right? Uh, I don't know. I think you have. Maybe. It
1: doesn't matter. Is that let's okay? Talk, let's talk about it right now.
0: Well, we don't need to go into, like, super detail, but I just, what I've observed in myself that I find intriguing... <laughs>
1: <laughs> for those listening, we were talking about this yesterday, so it's... Um, it wasn't
0: the first time. Yeah. You know, we've... we've that, like, this has been a known piece of information, but for some reason, yeah, we talked a bit more about it on a walk yesterday. And when I think back to, like... If I had met you or if you had told me that a decade ago or whatever, I think I would have been pretty freaked out about it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I I
1: think that would be sage advice for anyone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I think for—I know for me, with my experience with my ex and just his sufferings and the realizations that I had when I had my spiritual awakening via that relationship and sex addiction stuff going on on his end— That initially, that when that veil lifted and I looked at that piece, that for some reason was the scariest one for me. That energy, the way it looked and it felt, the sex addiction energy felt real gremlin-y and really monstery and dark and scary. And I couldn't look at it for like, I couldn't go into that portal for more than like a couple seconds for a long time. It was just so terrifying. And yet I knew I needed to work my way through that and really examine all the pieces. And through doing so and all these years later, it's like now those pieces, I have just so such a greater understanding of the energies that push one into those places and situations, and so much more compassion and non-judgment. And through facing those shadow components, now, now they're not scary anymore I'm just blown away that that when you shared that with me that for me was a very strong example of how far I've come with that particular darker sexual piece and I even wondered I was like why am I not like super freaking out over the fact that this is in your history but it just wasn't it's like I I so I feel like I've so fully seen and understood you from the day we met and i just so know your heart and your soul and i've also done so many years of intense shadow work that yeah you sharing that in various locations around the world you had visited various brothels it didn't freak me out and i i don't know that i'm really trying to go to many places with that i just wanted to share because speaking of that charged piece when you do the work and you face those things you're just able to hold such a big container for yourself, others, the world.
1: Well, that's true. I think that we have the capacity for regaining our wholeness and our soundness of mind to the point where your nervous system and brain can be restored so that you can delve into something, or experience something in your life that is very similar to a past experience, and those triggers can actually be dismantled. You know, there are many things in my life that happened earlier on that were pretty acutely traumatic, many of them self-inflicted. And I would say the deepest triggers for me have been around relationships. And it's so interesting to see how, when we're in relationship with other people, and A certain dynamic takes place, an exchange of energy, words, actions, etc. And the overreaction, what we call being triggered, right? The overreaction is so blown out of proportion for what's really going on. And then we, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because we have this emotional dump of adrenaline and cortisol, because our brain is wired to remember a past experience. To protect you. Yeah, to make sure that you never have that experience again. So to give a rudimentary example, you're you know, an ancient person and you're out in the woods and you come across a bear, right? And that bear takes a swipe at you and, you know, takes a bit of flesh off your arm, right? Then 20 years later, you're out in the woods again and you see what appears to be a bear in the shadows and you have that same adrenalized experience that's totally irrational. And that happens in our lives and especially in relationships because those core wounds are very specific triggers that we're usually wounds perpetuated by our parents, caregivers, et cetera, especially in the first seven years of life when you're so impressionable. You know, Kids walk around in a predominantly theta brainwave state in order to take in information about their environment and learn how to be a person. So when you have trauma in those first seven years, it really digs in deep, and you build neural pathways that say, never let this shit happen again. Daddy beats you. Later in life, a guy gets aggressive with you and you know puffs up and raises his hand and you have that same reaction even though he's not probably going to follow through with it right so it's amazing that we can do so much work to actually go into and yeah you mentioned shadow we really have to go into the depth of those shadows and really face and almost relive some of those experiences in order to unravel those triggers so that when something similar happens we don't have the experience that the same thing is happening so that's that piece and then i would be remiss to not just acknowledge you know the the bomb you dropped about some of my behavior in the past and you know all of those years of my life where i was much less conscious are not ones that i uh, am ashamed of and they're not ones that i am proud of they're just the best that i could do at that time and i've done a lot of work around that particular piece Actually, just. The ways in which i dishonored my body and dishonored bodies of women that i engaged with um, earlier in life i do definitely have a sense of regret around some of those things but i also know that like if i could have done better i would have you know and i was i was wounded and i was acting out uh, just so many addictions you know just so many addictions it's like You can be addicted to so many different things sex being one of them sex pornography prostitutes like all of that world which is typically the domain of males Uh, i'm sure women participate to some degree but it seems to be a male-centric thing you don't see brothels full of men right or maybe there are i don't know Mm -hmm. i never happened into one but uh you know it's like for me when i hit bottom and got sober and quit doing drugs and drinking, because my life was so clearly threatened by that behavior, and I was just in such a dark place. The underlying wounds had not been healed, and the underlying trauma was still operational 100%. So all these triggers that you're talking about, how you're observing, wow, something that would have at one time been so triggering is now a non-issue because of the healing and because of your discernment about with whom you're in relationship right you know me if i was just some guy you're on a first date with you'd be like red alert red alert stay away Uh, you've gotten to know me and you know i'm not that person anymore but in the same way if one is deeply embedded in addiction taking the substances away is literally the tip of the iceberg Mm -hmm. and the work that has to be done and so i've observed in many cases and russell brand has done a lot of work around this in his books because he like me got sober and then had a lot of issues with sex addiction etc he does a great job of really framing that so if i don't want to go do heroin or smoke crack because i know if i dip my toe in the water then i'm going to fall in the pool in those early years of sobriety it was like i was still feeling as uncomfortable and still so deeply in shame and hurt and discomfort and really just And i don't want to overstate it by saying mental illness but (laughs) if any rational person had followed me around during those first few years of sobriety and made a reality show about me they would be like this guy is freaking nuts just Mm -hmm. i mean wrecking cars and can't pay my bills i mean just completely dysfunctional and just such a tattered frayed way of thinking and just perpetually negative perpetually afraid anxiety depression and just in such a cycle of victim, perpetrator, in, in all of my relationships, romantic and otherwise, that I still needed some kind of medication, you know? So it's like, you can smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, eat a couple pints of Haagen-Dazs. I used to, when I was first sober, I used to just watch movies. I would go rent, I guess you rented like videotapes then. It's a long time ago. I would rent movies, and I would just stay up all night watching movies. Or I mean, some
0: people shop. Like yeah. Anything, and that you know.
1: came later, trust me. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, going to Barney's and running up my credit card. I mean, I'm a waiter and I'm like going to Barney's and <laughs> spending seven grand on my credit card, you know, like when I was in debt for years as like a self-punishment shame cycle, you know, which is a whole other type of addiction. But these addictions and food addiction, sugar addiction, I, I would say I'm pretty addicted to sugar still. Because it's something, again, going back to my definition earlier, it's something that like right now, if you said, "Luke, do you want to quit sugar 100% and not eat sugar?", I'd be like, "Yes, I do not ever want to eat sugar again." Talk to me at 11 p.m. tonight when <laughs> I see your ice cream in the freezer, right? But the thing that's so insidious and so difficult about the addictions around sex, food, other behaviors is that you know, in, in recovery circles, some people will call this "riding the tiger," you know, because it's like unless you're going to be celibate, which I did for a couple of years at the end of. You know, all of that behavior and the damage that I caused myself and other people as a result, unless you're celibate, you're going to interact with other humans and be sexual with them. So mm-hmm. it's not something that is very easy to be totally abstinent in. If you have problems with currency and debt, well, you still have to engage in the economy, right? So how
0: do you learn to trust yourself? Because, you know, a few minutes ago, you referenced yourself as that person, you know, and you've had so many different reinventions of yourself and the person who sits here today is a completely different person than that person 30, 20 years ago. How did you keep the perseverance through like all these other shapes and forms of addictions that would reveal after you got rid of the one and then you've came up and hit hit up and faced another one and how did you just continue to hold the line
1: (laughs) self-preservation you know it's a beautiful process actually because i feel people that have addictive tendencies are very blessed because well at least in my case to overcome the initial hurdles, which were just acute alcoholism and drug addiction. I mean, I drank and did drugs every single day. I did drugs all day, every day for many, many years. Got I was never a daytime drinker, just to be clear. There's certain type of alcoholics that wake up with a bottle of vodka. I would pretty much only drink at night, but I drank every night. And mm-hmm. when I drank, I got shit faced. I was a full-blown alcoholic. So because that lifestyle is so destructive and so painful and takes you to such a place of incomprehensible demoralization that when you end up against that wall, at least for me and for many people I know, the only way out of that cell is through God. And that was really the beginning of my awakening, was being, desperate and humble and just having no other choices but to go to god and not not in a religious sense although i'm sure that works for some people too but to really surrender at depth to the fundamental truth that i can't help myself i can't stop this and the beautiful i mean it's beautiful if you get out of it the beautiful sequence of events that can follow is that one will surrender your life to God, and through diligence and the application of other spiritual principles that keep you in relationship to God, one can achieve complete liberation, which is what happened to me. Just I've never had a desire to drink or do drugs since the very first day I woke up in rehab.
0: And for those listening, he goes into depth with that story, I'm sure, on many episodes of your show, The Lifestylist, which… I'll put in the show notes like what episodes those are because I want yeah. us to also talk about relationship stuff. We Yes, so. we'll
1: get there. Okay, so I'll whiz through that. I think because my morning was kind of so rushed, now I'm like, I'm super still and like speaking slowly. But, but let me wrap up this because the question about the transference of addictions is really important. I think yeah. it could be really useful for people. I'm just going to tell anyone out there that's getting sober from drugs and alcohol, like, You better get ready to face all the ways in which your addictions can morph. And really, the solution is, and the beautiful journey is in systematically learning how to surrender all of those addictions and compulsions to God with the same degree of depth and dedication that one did with those more acute addictions. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, for many of us, we have to be kind of at the edge of sanity or livelihood or losing a marriage or a job or whatever it is to even face some of those more insidious easier to justify addictions around sex money eating uh, gambling all this kind of stuff but the good news is it's the same process right it's going in to the ultimate reality of the fact that you in and of yourself without a higher power are powerless to overcome those compulsions and that behavior and in the exact same way it's formulaic really is the process of surrendering and asking for help and understanding the way those addictions are triggered in your life and the way that those play out and i would say also a huge motivator is seeing how all addictions that one participates in are so harmful to the people around them and as you start to face some of the more obvious and glaring addictions and you look back and see how your behavior has harmed so many people including yourself then as the other addictions start to surface you're able to find motivation to start facing and healing and overcoming those as well but the sad thing is that with all addictions it usually comes by hitting a bottom in each particular category and so i'm so grateful for my journey that i was able to explore all of these different addictions and let them all really play out to the point where I'm like, I'm good. I mean, I can't imagine living in the ways that, that I used to live because I've identified just how destructive they are and also I've gotten down to the root of what's underneath that. So if one is in sex addiction, well, that's not really the problem. That's a symptom of the problem. The problem is codependency. Yeah. And what is the problem of codependency? It's trauma from you as a kid. And your relationships, generally speaking, with your caregivers. So it's going back to the root of that and pulling the root out and thus removing the tree and all of its branches that have manifested in all these different forms of addiction on the surface.
0: Mm -hmm. Hey fam, I want to take a moment to thank this episode's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. I used to be one of those people who wasn't really too concerned about getting any sort of regular blood work or general health checkups. I was just of the school of thought hey, if I sense I'm healthy, if I feel I'm healthy, that was good enough for me. But for some reason lately, I have been way more interested in knowing the specifics about my health, and that's where Let's Get Checked comes in. If you go online, you can select any of their tests, everything from fertility to sexual health, cholesterol, thyroid, lots more. What I went with was the micronutrient test. And this one checks your levels of vitamin D, B12, E, copper, selenium, zinc, magnesium. And this is the best part, it's super easy. They send you the test in the mail with everything you need to collect your sample, and then you just mail it back. Yes, it's that easy. And then within two to five days after you mail it back, you get your results online. I actually learned I was low in vitamin D, so I have stepped up my supplement game there. And I didn't feel the need to do this, but you also have the option to go over your test results with one of their nurses. So I just wanted to let you know about this option because you can get the test you want done without having to make an appointment, go to a doctor's office and all of that. You can check out all of the testing possibilities at www. T R Y L G C dot com backslash CCP and use the code CCP 20. That's the number two zero. So the code is CCP two zero. That gets you an amazing discount. So once again, I know the website's a little tricky to remember. You can also head to my show notes and I will have it listed there. You can just click on the link. But the website is www.trylgc.com lgc.com backslash ccp and use that code ccp20 it'll get you the discount and here's to your health and thriving all right it's important to now take a moment of breath and gratitude for one of my favorite superfood brands organifi i want to thank them for making today's episode possible I am personally friends with Organifi founder, Drew Canole. You can actually peep episode three of Ceremony Circle Podcast to get to know him deeply yourself as I interviewed him. He is such a pure, integrity-filled, beautiful being. So I'm truly so honored to be able to share about his line, Organifi. And one of my very favorite products that they have, Organifi Gold. For any of you who have been following me for a long time, you know I'm obsessed with tea. I actually quit drinking coffee many, many years ago. And Organifi Gold is an incredible superfood tea that contains powerful superfoods and mushrooms to help you relax. So you can just wake up feeling refreshed, energized, ready to take on a brand new divine day. Organified Gold supports a healthy immune response as well, and a healthy response to stress. These are all really great things to have at times like now. What makes this tea so powerful and so soothing are ingredients like turmeric. Turmeric is an ancient root that's been used for over 4,000 years to promote healthy response to occasional aches and pains. It's an antiviral. So it aids in boosting immunity and can even help with aches, pains, and muscle soreness. Another one of my faves, ginger. I try to put ginger in everything. It's been used for thousands of years to help the body's immune system and disease-fighting capabilities. It's got a little kick of flavor, you know? Adds a little spice to your life. And at the same time, it supports rest and digestion. And another favorite ingredient, lemon balm. Even just the name, makes you feel good lemon balm is an herb used to calm and relax the body for thousands of years across so many different cultures you can take it at night it helps you to relax and wake up feeling amazing so this is the Organifi Gold Superfood Tea it's 100% USDA organic gluten-free dairy-free soy-free vegan non-GMO clinically proven ingredients it's 100% an organic whole food you just cannot beat it I love it so much it tastes incredible in warm water, or you can add some oat milk or coconut milk. That's what I do. And I've been supplementing this creamy tea in as my nighttime treat. And then I just relax and drift off to sleep. I'm excited for you guys to try it. To do so, all you have to do is go to www.organify.com backslash CCP. That is www o r g a n i f i dot com backslash c c p when you get to checkout use the code c c p that's three letters all capitalized c c p put that in at checkout you get 15 percent off anything i shared about the gold tea that i'm obsessed with but anything that resonates with you you can use the code c c p and you'll get that discount I will have the direct link to this website and these products in my show notes on my website as well. Much love, Soul fam, and back to the show. And with relationships, you know, we've given one example of behaviors you used to engage in and now here we sit engaged engaging in a different way we literally engaged you, exactly and uh you know soon to be married it's you know we haven't set a clear date we should but probably do that once we get into the house i'm sure that'll be next
1: yeah we should put a date on the calendar so it it happens i find sometimes if i don't put things on the calendar but yeah we do have a house to deal with and yeah all that but i'm i'm actually really looking forward to it i don't want to put it off
0: Yeah, it's going to be so fun.
1: I mean, I feel like we were married on our third date, really. We,
0: I mean, we technically were. Spiritually, we were in a sacred ceremony in a teepee, and it did happen.
1: But I think it's like we know that we're married, but I think why a wedding is significant to me is including our loved ones in yeah. that process that weren't present when we were married on our third date.
0: <laughs> I know, God, I wish we had time to go into that story because it is such a good one. Maybe I can just nutshell it. So on our third date, oh gosh, it's so involved though. Oh, there's so many layers. All right, I can do this. So one of my sacred shamanic families who works in a completely devoted way and the we tradition working also through that tradition with grandfather medicine peyote i had been working with them for a very long time and then on our very first date at a kundalini new year's eve gathering luke had shared with me he said hey you know i'm i'm gonna do your medicine soon because at that point you had never experienced it and I was like, oh, wow. But my first thought was, well, who's facilitating and who are you going to be doing it with? You know, I was a bit concerned.
1: discernment. Yes, <laughs> yes. I
0: will I gladly raise my hand and own that title as full misdiscernment worldwide, intergalactic included, actually. So then you said, oh, I met up with a friend, Sanjay, and he invited. Well, I know Sanjay is a part of my shamanic community. So then I understood that you would most likely be sitting with The guides who I sit with. Then I was like, okay, this is okay. At no point did I ever want to invite myself. I didn't feel called at that time to go to that particular ceremony. I was at that time still living in New York City, even though we were going on our first date in LA. I had plans to move to LA. I flew back to New York. And while I was back in New York, I think like two or three days after I'd gotten back, I said, hey, remind me when that ceremony is truly, honestly, just so I could mark my calendar and just hold space for you. That was it. And you said, why do you want to come? And I thought, huh, hmm. I literally just landed back in New York 72 hours ago, but maybe this would be good for us. So I booked another ticket, (laughs) got back on the plane, and flew back across the country for our, I guess, our third date at that point then to go out into the sacred lands in the desert. And um, it was not planned, but... In the final day of being in the desert and the teepee in the ceremony, the facilitators who I, you know, respect and love very deeply and dearly, they were tuning into a thing about us that I think we were starting to tune into, but they were seeing it very clearly, the sacred union that is us. And in the flower ceremony on the last day, (laughs) one of the beautiful facilitators said, And now I will marry you. And so we were both, there's a lot of details that I don't feel that it's right to share, but the beautiful ceremony ensued with us after spending a couple of nonstop days in this way on these lands. And uh, so, yeah, it was just, and for me, I did want to share it because it's such a strong example of how. God-Goddess has infused and guided our relationship this entire way. Like, we've been on God-Goddess's train, you know, and and at times just trying to keep up with God-Goddess's plan for us. And that was one very profound example of like, oh, this is happening now. Okay, we're with it and we're here.
1: Yeah, and it's a great example of the magic that can ensue by living a surrendered life yes because i had been through so many difficult experiences for myself and all parties included uh, around relationships and it, it really has been for me it's like the last frontier of just why why can i not get this right <laughs> you know what i mean and just continually surrendering it to god and just saying hey like Do with me what you will, what serves the highest good, whatever I'm supposed to be in or not in, like I'm done doing the deciding, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was such a clear example of that. And, and one in which I really had to, as you know, and I guess, you know, it'll take us off on too big of a thread to go into it, perhaps on another conversation we can, I think on our episode, we might've even gone into this, but yes, but that experience that we shared intellectually for me was so far out of the linear plan for success that my male brain had laid out. And it was not one that was born out of ignorance. It was one that was born out of making poor decisions. And I really liked you. And whether or not we were going to have a future together or not, I didn't want to screw up whatever we had as a friendship, because we'd been friends for years before. And uh, you know, that moment when she was like, and I will now marry you, I remember inside just going like, what the fuck? What did she just say, you know, and like all of my commitment issues are just like I'm like we this is our third date, you know, the whole thing and it's like
0: and I and I'm kneeling next to you and I'm like this is great. This is so beautiful and fun.
1: Yeah, and um even though, you know, I I was very much so uh and am of course ready for a true spiritual bond with a woman and was just so ready for what we have uh it took a lot of a lot of trust
0: i got the chills
1: (laughs) yeah it took a lot of trust and spirit for me to not run away from that experience Mm. and just be like this is not how this is supposed to go because it's just it's when you're in the medicine space with the right people too i mean medicine world and i'm sure people listening are like wait i thought you said you were sober that's a whole other conversation
0: right that'll Uh, be another episode
1: defining My sobriety has been a real beautiful journey over the past two years and the results of my life on the outside, uh, the fruits of the tree uh, that bears those fruits is obvious. My life is improving and improving by every metric every single day, which is the opposite of what happens when I'm not sober. So I'll just say that. But in that space, it's like your little plans and designs become so laughable Yeah. because the veil of the intellect the egoic fears all of the plans all of the constructs that one has built to get what they want or repel what they don't want are all just completely dismantled and you're left in such a raw and vulnerable place which speaks to your discernment that's why it's so important and i'm learning this more and more um, not because i've had any negative experiences but i know people that have most certainly because of the vulnerability and the etheric magic that takes place when you're taking these sacred medicines, it's just so important to be in a grid, in an energy field, that's being very well manicured and tended to by the facilitators. Held impeccably. And the the consciousness of the group with which you're participating. This was such a case. This is a very high level, as you said, very high level ceremony. (laughs) Like, it's the real deal. This goes back, I don't know how many, hundreds or thousands of years, right? And so there's traditions being adhered to. I'm going along with those traditions. And within that...
0: <laughs> within that, you ended up getting married. Yeah,
1: I'm hitting up against like, wait, what? I actually had a, a, you know, a list written of how this is supposed to go, and this is not the list. And so again, back to the principle of surrender, which is just, I think, the motto of my life and, and really the secret to any success I've had on any level is acknowledging my partnership with spirit And the role that I have in guiding my life, but ultimately knowing that it's like I can kind of tilt the oar a little bit and steer my canoe, but the thing that's really powering it is God. And ultimately where that's going to end up is based on my decisions as they play out, but more than anything in an environment like that, things that are miraculous and totally outside of your expectations and little yeah. Intellectual plans and designs are totally out the window, so... It, and it
0: was really miraculous, and just small side note, at that point, Luke and I, we had not been intimate at all. I mean, like, barely, but we had not had sex yet in any form, and uh, <laughs> nope. it, we had just kissed. And uh, so we laughed that we were technically spiritually married before we even slept together, which is, I mean, it's true, true statement. Yeah.
1: Well, that, you know, that part of it was part of my plan. Right based on patterns that were present before Well, you where, wanted
0: to wait, but you didn't necessarily want to be wait until we were married. You
1: definitely not. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm not, you know, a Mormon or whatever, you know, but like,
0: yeah, we I don't know
1: who does that. I'm assuming we some did religious sex do that uh, that that um, sequence of events. But the part of it that I that I did plan on because again, it was the opposite of the way I did things in the past where it was like you form the basis of a relationship on sex and chemistry and attraction and kind of those lower base drives and then if that's working then you try to cobble together the fact that you're two human beings enshrined in bodies that are souls on a karmic mission to fulfill and then you know in my experience most of the time uh, well in all those cases obviously because i'm with you uh, those didn't work out and sometimes they didn't work out spectacularly so, yeah, I was really excited. Maybe one of the only guys in the world <laughs> that could say that, but like I didn't want to have sex with you. I really wanted to get to know you. But yeah, the part of, I mean, I didn't want to have sex with you yet. Let's clarify. But yeah, the part of like being spiritually married in a teepee, uh, you know, after a couple of dates was definitely not in the, yeah. not in the blueprint.
0: Right. And then I think it would be great for us to both touch on celibacy. It seems like whenever I chat about it on podcasts, I get a lot of people DMing. Just curious or saying, Oh my gosh, thank you for sharing. I thought I was kind of crazy and the only one. And they would maybe share that they're like 35 years old and have been celibate for a few years and it feels really right to them, but they don't know anyone else who has ever done that. And so, and that's a choice that both you and I made on our own when we were long ago, when we were friends. And I had been celibate for almost for five years straight, not quite, and you for a couple of years. But your celibacy functioned a bit differently in that you were also committed to not flirting like you had other parameters with yours.
1: Yeah, it was absolutely necessary that I sought out outside help. And so, the outside help that I sought included a very rigid plan of action. And that was to withdraw oneself from not only sexual contact, but any form of contact with women. That wasn't, you know, I go to work, I got to go to the office, and there's a coworker that's a female. So, this meant for me, their bottom lines, like these are the things that I will not do. That meant pornography. I left in masturbation because I didn't want to set myself up for failure, but I would say I did very little of that during that period because, kind of, what's the point? But yeah, no flirting, no liking someone's Instagram post to see if they like yours, like none of the intrigue. No dates. Oh, no, 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 no. having,
0: because no. I needed a place to stay. At one point, I was by coastal for a few <laughs> years, and um, I didn't know the rules of, of Luke's celibacy. And we were friends. We were not r- at all what we are now. And I was also celibate at the time, but the place I was supposed to stay at fell through. And I remember I texted you, and I was like, hey, do you know anyone that wouldn't mind housing a friendly, happy shaman for a few days. And you're just like, no, not really. And I'm just like, okay, he just got denied there. But I learned later is because like, you couldn't have women over spending the night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, for me, what was necessary was just a hard stop. Right. And what was so powerful about that was not only disengaging from sexual activity, but by stopping flirting and intriguing and all of the games and all of those little kind of injections of excitement that right, one they, gets. That
0: give you those spurts of yeah. like the... So for
1: example, say like you had texted me that, then I start flirting with you. Well, what do you mean? Like stay, blah, 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 you know, like getting all that. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's how people engage when they're attracted to each other. And obviously I was attracted to you even when we were friends, but that wasn't... The pursuit of the relationship. So I, you know, kept things super above board. But let's say that I had done that and then you text me back. And then all day that day, I'm like spending my energy mm-hmm. waiting for you to text. And just all of that had to be completely nullified. Going into the coffee shop and glancing over and out of the corner of my eye and be like, oh my God, that girl's so cute. And then like seeing if I can get her to look at me. Like all so of that. So there had to have
0: been instances though where maybe you would, out of habit, notice yourself starting to do that, but you would cut it off right away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what was so beautiful about that was the regaining of my own sovereignty and independence energetically of seeing like, oh my God, probably since I was in elementary school, I've been leaking energy trying to get attention and get approval. It has a lot Mm -hmm. to do with the addiction to approval, which is based out of lack of Mm self-approval right and Mm -hmm. so even going back into a lot of the acting out sexually it's like yeah there's a chemical kind of high from being sexually excited and fornicating but beyond that there is a very clear message that i'm worth something because this person desires me and if i can get that girl that i've put on some fantasy pedestal to engage in sex with me then I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. It's so much of the self-worth involved in that. And so seeing that at the core of a lot of those issues that I had in relationships and around sexuality were based in this shame energy that I had been carrying in this laugh, lack of self-worth and really uh, self-love that when I cut all of that away, I had to face the truth that like, oh my God, I really don't like myself that much. And that's why so much of my life had been dependent on getting validation through those behaviors. And so to just stop everything was really, really difficult because I would just be home alone at night, every night for a couple of years by myself. I'm not texting any girls, no girls are texting me. I'm not on any apps. Every once in a while, like maybe an old flame would hit me up, and I'd be like, I'm not seeing anyone right now, or whatever. You know, there were many moments, yeah, where I wouldn't say I was tempted because I was very resolute in my decision to heal this part of myself for once and goddamn all because I wanted what we have and I had no idea how to get there, but I knew that I had to get rid of this right. in order to get what I wanted, which was a true soul connection and a healthy relationship in which both people's lives individually flourish. And those two people in the third entity that they share called a relationship also flourishes and grows. I mean, I knew what it looked like. I just had no idea how you get there. But you and knew so, this was
0: a piece you had to...
1: Yeah. So I had to strip away everything that did not arrive at that goal.
0: I remember when I when I used to film my other show in LA Soul Reboot and I had you on, you said that, it, and we agreed. That once you get into the rhythm of it, it's it's not that hard. It's not like people say to me, oh my God, no. how did you do five almost five years of never sleeping with someone? And I'm like, I had a great time. <laughs> it's I mean,
1: amazing. It's amazing because what happens is as you start to build a relationship with oneself, mm-hmm. I mean, you're home alone every night for a couple of years. I mean, and all my friends were in relationships too. They had all matured and they weren't out you know chasing women and going to clubs and stuff like that they were all in happy healthy relationships like every one of them they're busy so i couldn't even distract myself with my guy friends like Mm -hmm. hey get all the homies to come over and like so i don't have to be alone um so it was kind of a self-imposed loneliness to really face well if i feel so uncomfortable by myself why what what is it about me that I don't like? Why, why am I so dissatisfied having a relationship with myself? And in those, I would say a couple of years, I maybe mean, it was 20 months or so, I think, it gave me the opportunity to work through that lack of relationship to who I really am, of really knowing thyself, right? And not only knowing thyself, but learning how to enjoy one's own company so that when a beautiful, wise spiritual goddess named Allison charles comes into my (laughs) radar field that as much as i appreciate you i don't need you to complete me because i've spent all of that time completing myself i would take myself on dates i would take myself on a date to the movie i'd take myself out to dinner i would go do i'd go to the park i would do the things that i would have done in relationship
0: do you remember when you started to like yourself more or do you remember, was there a certain shift along those 20 months where all of a sudden you're like, huh, this this guy that I am, okay, we're, we're making some progress here. You know,
1: it's not like I was looking in the mirror going, Luke, you're awesome. I love you, man, doing affirmations. Although, Although that work that's <laughs> a, it's a yeah. great idea. <laughs> I, yes. uh, and I probably did that, but it wasn't, there wasn't a moment in which I realized that. I think it was just the lack of feeling uncomfortable Mm. and what was revealed when that discomfort and loneliness and need to constantly distract myself with intrigue and prospecting and all this kind of stuff and any sexual contact or dates or any of that, uh, it's just... Once all of that had been cleared and subsided and there was a lot of loneliness and pain. I mean, I was at home like laying on my bed crying just going, "Dude, I am a loser." Like, I have all my friends are busy. I can't But you knew
0: something I, good was happening. Yeah,
1: yeah, I did. I, it was a it was a dark night of the soul. Yeah. And I've been through so many of them. I know what that feels yeah. like and I know what that looks like and I knew that I was on the right track because what I was doing was not only building a relationship with myself, but I was further surrendering this aspect of my life this vital aspect of human connection and romantic connection and connection for procreation and building a family and the things that human beings as animals are wired to do that i was continually surrendering that to god and so building a relationship with myself in that way was simultaneously deepening my relationship with god because what i started to find was not this deciding moment of like wow i like myself you're a good person luke it was that hmm i'm actually not alone because this relationship with god now is becoming so real and visceral and ongoing practicing the presence of god in my life as a result of those feelings of loneliness and discomfort and disconnection that i started to feel fulfilled and warmed by the light of spirit and the light of spirit and the light of my true self are one and the same and so i started to find this unification of my relationship with god and my relationship with myself and the division between a god being out there over there up there and a me being down here reaching out for it started to dissolve mm-hmm. and i was able to experience much more so than i ever had an ongoing communion and an ongoing relationship with god so that i no longer felt alone and i think within that was the ability to reveal the way things actually are it's not like i had to go get something i just had to acknowledge that i'm not alone there's me and god and one in this relationship and then as i started to feel that that was stable then i made a very specific plan and began to start dating and it ended up that i I just met one person and I really liked them. And I just dated that person and got into a relationship. So I didn't think God have to get like on the apps and like go through the awkwardness of dating and trying to explain to a woman like, Hey, I don't want to have sex for a while. (laughs) And all the things that I had set in place wisely. So to ensure, or at least increase the chances of my success of having some real connection. And, you know, and ultimately that relationship didn't work out for a number of reasons and, um, found myself single again. And then didn't feel the need to go back again and be celibate, although I did go to Costa Rica and um, do an ayahuasca retreat in between that and when I started dating you. And uh, a lot of really profound healing and um, revelation took place on that trip that helped me to further dismantle some of the patterns that I had developed and to clear those. And uh, and I emerged from there as someone who felt really good just being by myself. Mm-hmm. I can just hang out with myself. I, I enjoy my own company, right? And so being in that, then in our relationship, I mean, honestly, there's nothing in life I enjoy more than sharing my time with you. I mean, we just have, as you know, so much fun.
0: We really do.
1: But there isn't this sense of like needy, codependent attachment with you because first and foremost, I have a relationship with myself and with God. And so the relationship with you... It's just an add-on bonus of the highest order and i pray that we never have to ever be apart and we'll find a way to live together forever (laughs) you know which was really in our in our in my proposal vow if you remember (laughs) i mean i used to be a guy that was afraid to even like commit to having a girlfriend so to commit to marriage is huge and but not really it's easy with you because of where i am and where you are and where we are but even to commit beyond that to a sole contract with someone, or perhaps honor a soul contract that was uh, that was already in place that I was that right. was unbeknownst to me, to put a kind of a, a, a close on that, all of that relationship building with myself was necessary for me to be in a place where I'm a sovereign individual being that honors you as a sovereign individual being, and also is deeply grateful and excited about creating the third entity that we call our relationship, which is how those individual beings come together in union.
0: Yeah, totally. And I had um, circled on this sheet of possible questions, the two words, healthy security, because it's one thing that I really was so relieved to find in you and um, so happy that you had cultivated a true healthy security within yourself because my biggest goal was to be able to be in a relationship I knew as a non-negotiable. I also had grown to love my own company and that richness that comes with being one with all that is and one with the God-Goddess that is us and is everything. It's just so rich and fortifying and fulfilling that I was at a place where I didn't need to find a relationship, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I had my surrender moment. I had my initial one when I had my divine intervention awakening, and then another one with relationships. But I said, if it is in the cards the way I think it is, um, and if it is to come into alignment, I have to be with someone who can hold an infinite container for me to be in my fullest expression at any time, wherever that fullest expression needs to go, be, do, And you do that. And I feel that one of the main reasons you're able to do that is because you're so secure within yourself. Um, I've had experiences in the past with, you can, I'm not faulting people. We all have our own shit to work through, but in previous relationships, the people, the men were very insecure. And so they, from that place, then they would attempt to dim my light, to shut me up, to suppress my power. And I'm a force, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a medicine woman. And so with you, yeah, I wanted for you to be able to share like how you got to that place of healthy security, but I think you, know, you, you probably covered that.
1: Well, that, there's something I think worth exploring in that briefly, and that is that egoic perspective of feeling other people's power or light as a threat that's going to diminish other people's perception of your light and your power that's something that really breeds competition and if you have two people that are engaged in a relationship in which there's polarity competition dismantles polarity and dismantles chemistry attraction the whole purpose of two beings being together man or woman man and man man woman and woman whatever however you want to do it there needs to be polarity and that there has to be opposite ends of the magnet right and this gets into the masculine feminine and i think as a man something that i feel really good about being able to do and thank you for acknowledging this and it isn't even something that i was i read in a book i'm like i'm going to be this kind of guy but because of the work that i've done is this spaciousness that i hold within myself where there's really room for so much and as big as you want to be in your life in your career in your emotions there's space here for it there's plenty of room (laughs) in my awareness and that's you know a lot of that is in learning how to like myself and also from just being very committed to meditation for a long time it creates a spaciousness and an ability for me to rest within I mean, it's it's kind of minimizing to say, oh, it's like, I'm just in my masculine energy. But one of the attributes of masculine energy is just spaciousness and stillness and even to some degree, stoicism, right? So on days where you're uh, needing to express yourself or you're feeling some emotions or you're fired up about your career or a project or you're getting some media attention or whatever it is that a prior man might have been threatened by or annoyed by, to me, there's plenty of room for it. So I'm just like, be big, be everything that you are. And one of the things that I love about you is the experience of watching you pass through your emotional experiences and your day-to-day things with such grace and the fact that you are able to honor your own need to express whatever's going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh and you know, that said, I mean, you're probably the happiest person i've ever known so i'm not talking about like i'm not insinuating like yeah when you need to be a bitch like i'm cool with it it's it's not even about that it's just whatever you're going through be it joy or you're having something you're working through or any of that it's just fun to watch you just kind of flail around in your femininity and just be able to hold space for that And it does at times require a little bit of work because i'm very much in touch with my feminine energy and i'm very creative artistic emotional i mean i cry more than you a lot more and so for me there's a little bit of an art in not trying to be tough or stoic but in making sure that i have the capacity and space for you to do you and that i'm not kind of falling apart and not there, the whole <laughs> yeah, space for you. We're
0: both just on the ground, like you know slobber I mean? crying.
1: Yeah. I mean, because, and there's a time, <laughs> in, you know, there's a time and a place for that. But back to the polarity piece, I think this is, it's not something I consciously think about a lot, but it's something I'm aware of in myself. So, for example, for any men listening, one or anyone that's in a masculine role in, in the relationship uh, that's predominantly operating from that energy, although I think the future of men and women is for us to. I'll learn how to be totally uh, more fluid in in the left and right hemispheres. Integrated and integrated in both. Yeah. And to be able to know which one you're kind of in, right? It's that self-awareness. And so if I sense that you're, let's just say you get annoyed about something, right? And you're like, I mean, which is so rare, thank God, because I'm so awesome. No, but you're so tolerant and patient. Uh, you very rarely get pissed. But let's just say there's something you want to talk to me about, right? I'll feel that contraction inside and like oh shit i don't know like really no uh or she's gonna leave me is she pissed like how long is this gonna last like you know i'll feel little threads of triggers like that but those are an indicator to me that i'm slipping out of my masculine energy And that if I'm out of that, or I've kind of switched polarities, and you want to come with these expressive emotions, and you're in your feelings versus in your head, if we're both there, it's going to be very unproductive. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be able to process what you need to process, because I'm like in it with you, because I'm afraid that you're mad. and uh, Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. just like, for the masculine party in any relationship, it's crazy how simple it is. To just get into your body and into your breath in a moment like that and it's not even something that i think about now it's just something that is innate when it gets a little stormy and i see up oh, stormy and i have the option to go stormy with you i just hold it down and i breathe into my heart and i feel your heart and i just bring up every molecule of love that i have for you And it brings me so much joy to be able to be there for you in that way. It's like a sense of, it's almost a sense of accomplishment. It's like, wow, I was just really good at holding space for this woman that I love. And I just really honored her and allowed her to go through what she needed to go through without being threatened by it.
0: Cutting it short. Yeah,
1: without stifling it, any of that. It's just, it's unnecessary. And I think, I mean, I just will say this. I mean, I can generalize guys like are not the best listeners at time because the male brain is wired to identify problem fix problem like when we see a problem the very first thing we want to do is fix that shit so a guy will think when a woman like you comes and says, hey i'm going through this stuff i have these emotions uh okay so here's what you need to do start fixing it which is unconsciously with the best of intentions dishonoring your need To express that energy and to get that energy out of your body, you know, so without me taking on that energy where I spin out in some codependent loop or something, (laughs) it's a beautiful practice to be able to really just be there and be quiet and really just feel into your feelings, (laughs) but know that they aren't my feelings.
0: Right. And then you say anywhere from one to 10 times, is there anything else you would like to say, honey? I, I got. Is, I
1: learned that from John Gray.
0: Is there anything else, honey? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Well, did it, did it, did it. <laughs>
1: Every time. Is
0: there anything else, It honey? takes about
1: three or four. No,
0: I think I'm good. I think I got it all out. And then I'll sit and I'll think about it. You know what? I'll, you know, just try it. And I'll repeat something I already said. Okay, is there anything else? But I think it would also be a relief to you. You already alluded to this. I'm pretty... Adept with my ability to move through things with a lot of efficiency and grace.
1: Super fast. I don't yeah. get
0: stuck in things. It's like,
1: astonishing. I'm so in awe, truly, of your ability to uh, move out of that. Because you'll have a moment, and then I'll be in the other room, and then you'll come out and you'll be normal already, and I go like, <laughs> "Oh shit." I think I stay, I mean, I don't like to compare because everyone's different, but I think I probably stay stuck in moments like that even a bit longer at times, you know, if I get triggered or stressed out by work or something like that, it's like, I really have to take a moment and like, okay, okay, you're fine. You're fine. You just seem to kind of, you just need to express it. Yeah, I I think that's the thing with you. And that's so interesting. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to like heteronormalize this uh, a bit, but it's like, you know, just male and female biology speaking, the men that I've known in my life, myself included, absolutely don't relieve their stress by talking about the things that are stressing them out, Mm -hmm. but from taking time alone to gather our thoughts and be in stillness and to not think about or talk about Mm -hmm. the problem. And this is something that's been really useful for me to get to know about myself, is that say like I'm going through something and I'm having a little stormy moment and you're like, you love me. So you, you say, honey, what's wrong? Tell me what's going on. You seem, you're freaking out. Share it with me. And you probably notice, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it.
0: I don't really do that hardly at all though.
1: Yeah. I mean, you just kind of like...
0: I'll hear you having <laughs> yeah. your moment. And I'm like, well, at least, he, at least he doesn't cut himself off from allowing himself to feel that burst yeah. of frustration. And... I'll just let you be in your thing and then maybe 30 to 60 minutes later when I can tell you've already shifted, then I'll say, you doing all right? You know, like, and I'll kind of like smile, but I'm, I'm, I don't think I've ever once pestered you like, tell me what's going on. No,
1: no. You have at times expressed concern where you're like, honey, okay, what's wrong? Like just that, not like you're pestering me like talk about it share your feelings but just like oh my god are you okay what's wrong and i'm like i don't want to talk about it you know anyway it's just i think it's an important distinction for people to understand and it's just it's just really a hormonal thing you know when when a man gets stressed their testosterone tanks and talking about their problem produces estrogen and when a man a male body talks about their problem and produces estrogen it makes their testosterone go down Mm. even more What helps a man to regulate his emotions is higher testosterone, and that is what gives us the ability to Go out and
0: chop some wood?
1: Yeah, to be present, stoic, calm, logical. A lot of people have the misconception that toxic masculinity is from men being too masculine when they're violent and rageful and have these outbursts and yell and do this kind of stuff. They're actually just out of balance and are being too feminine because they're high on estrogen. If you see a man in a rage throwing shit, freaking out, he's on a complete estrogen overdose, not testosterone. Testosterone is what gives you the ability to be calm and focused and face your problems logically, not emotionally.
0: Okay. That was really good doses of information. Now, due to time purposes, I think let's get to a juicy subject matter. Not that all of this hasn't been juicy, but how... And when did you know that you wanted to propose to me?
1: <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Let me see.
0: I couldn't recall. if I don't think I've ever asked you that. I don't
1: think you have, and I don't think I've ever thought about it. And you know my relationship with linear time and <laughs> yeah, calendars. Schedules are
0: <clears throat> not your forte.
1: So to think like, it was April the 1st, I had this thought. Uh, well, I
0: just didn't know if there was like a trip we went on, we were just like,
1: you know i think because i knew we were going to quix and when i had the thought that oh, i think i really want to marry this woman she's she's the one she's my lady you know i didn't want to be like getting coffee in echo park and be like hey, you know what i mean it's like uh i wanted to make it a thing mm-hmm. and so when i knew we were going to quix Uh, Whenever that was put on the calendar was probably when I got that idea because I'm really romantic. You know, Mm -hmm. I love special moments like that. And as someone who was so emotionally unavailable uh, in my adult life and in most of my relationships and was so judgmental of men that allowed themselves to express these normal natural human experiences like getting on your knee and then asking a woman's hand asking for a woman's hand and even having kids i mean i just had so many warped backward ass ideas to work through it was so liberating to me as i started to discard all of that fallacy and really just embrace the joy of some of these uh, human traditions and so the idea of marrying you was like a no-brainer i mean i think i knew very early on you were my person and i had no reservations about that so it was kind of just a matter of well i guess the thing because i've never you know i don't know about this stuff i'm like mr single forever kind of and a few attempts at relationships in which again i was not really available to a, a more rich experience i think when i decided that i said well if i'm going to do it it has to be epic and how could that be and then the mexico trip was on the calendar and uh, i know your special relationship with the animal world and i knew that Mm -hmm. to make it really special i wanted to include animals within that micro ceremony as i uh successfully accomplished Yeah. yeah
0: yeah it was so beautiful um The short version, and I'm sure I'll have you on a number of times so we can dive into some of the stories that we maybe had to cut short today or gave a more abbreviated version of today. So that short version of the proposal story is, uh, yes, four hour old baby sea turtles were a part of it. So incredible! I had never. What do they call that initiative that they have at Cuicmala, where the sea turtles? It's a
1: sea turtle rescue program. Yeah. Yeah. the The turtles, the the giant sixty pound turtles, come up on that particular stretch of beach to lay their eggs, and there are problems with predation. Uh, Birds will come by and poach the eggs, Uh, not poach them, as in cook them, but uh, steal them. And then you also have human poachers, the people at that particular region in Mexico that go and dig up these turtle eggs perceive them to be some sort of superfood, magic elixir kind Mm -hmm. of thing, and um, which maybe they are, I don't know. So people will come and and steal the eggs and eat them. So they they protect that stretch of beach and they go hand collect the eggs and then put them into the hatchery, which is where we went and got them shortly after they hatched.
0: Yeah, they had only been hatched four hours earlier. They hadn't even fully opened their eyes yet and uh, yeah, the ring was underneath that the tiny, tiny little baby sea turtles in Luke's hand, and he lifted the turtle up. He was on his knees, but he lifted the turtle up so that I could take it and hold it and walk down to the water to allow it to find its way to its new massive home in the ocean, and the ring was underneath it, and yeah, that's where
1: not to gloat but it was a pretty badass proposal <laughs> <laughs> i mean that stretch of beach is so epic too i mean we I mean, were the
0: only people on it it's the, a private yeah, yeah
1: the sun is setting there are these massively violent crashing waves behind us i mean yeah. it was it was a very dramatic thing and i remember like when i did it we have it on video too we'll have to edit it for our wedding or something but Like I couldn't even get the words out. I was so overwhelmed with emotion. It was it was such a turning point for me in Mm. so many deep ways. And there was so much healing in that offering of commitment. And it's something I was so terrified of experiencing, which is so twisted, you know, why like you're terrified of experiencing one of the most beautiful things in the human experience and which is committing yourself to to learn love and grow with another soul it was a really profound experience and so glad that I did have the intuitive thought to do it there and in that way. And the really cool thing about that particular species of animal is that in 30 years, the female turtles that we set free and that are set free on an ongoing basis there in their rescue program will come back and lay their eggs on the very same beach. I mean, can you imagine Mm -hmm. that? It's just one of the many miracles of Mm -hmm. nature and God's intelligent design. And mm-hmm. so I've thought at times, wow, perhaps we can go back someday, you know, with thirty-year-old kids, right? And uh, to that same beach and and watch that cycle take place. And it's not inconceivable. Of course, we'd have no way of knowing that. Some of the big turtles coming right. in to lay their eggs were ones that 30 years prior we had. I
0: feel like at least one that we released yeah, will be one coming that we'd, back.
1: We'd seen them off uh, to their their new life safely. Yeah, it's a really really powerful experience. I mean, even just doing that without a proposal is right. a really is a powerful experience. Just to interface with nature in a way like that and mm-hmm. to acknowledge um, God's creation is so special. But to to have that moment to share with you was just such an epic one of the highest order.
0: It was. It was so beautiful and sacred and special and divine and, yeah, just for us and God-Goddess. So I would love we we'll probably only have time for maybe one other question, and then you're going to guide just a really brief five-ish minute practice for the folks listening. But um, I was curious, you know, for those who are newer to us, we do have the Instagram handle at higherpowercouple. And we also have the domain, and we're developing different offerings that go along with Luke and I having this higher power couple brand. It's a little weird way of explaining it, but I guess it's essentially what it is. Um, I was curious, what does sacred union or higher power couple, what does it mean to you?
1: It means that two people have identified who and what they really are as unique expressions of consciousness and that they have identified that their incarnation in this body has a higher purpose than just surviving in a body and that those two people have embraced and accepted their mission of evolution as individuals and both acknowledge that together, the potential for each individual's evolution is all that much more powerful. And that together in that way that I was explaining earlier, this third entity of the relationship has its own karma and its own dharmic path. And that could include having kids, building a home, having careers, living a life together where you share some experiences. But I think a real sacred bond is where the two people's primary relationship is their relationship with a higher power. And that relationship fundamentally informs the bond and union that they have together. And that within that, there's something that the two of them are here to do together. And that's the sense that I have with you. And that might be something very humble like building a family, and that might be something like being of service in a more broad and widespread manner, which is looking like what part of our relationship's purpose is unfolding to be.
0: Be on the lookout for the higher power couple courses coming to you soon.
1: Yeah, well, I think you know that that's something that has started to happen naturally for us because. I can speak for myself when I say I'm just in awe with the observation of how each of our lives in so many different ways have improved as a result of being in relationship. And as someone who's had the opposite experience where both people's lives deteriorate as a result of being in a relationship. Anguishing. There's so much contrast there that makes it even more obvious, I think. But the world really right now especially, needs connection. And so I think work around helping people relate and be available to healthy love is really important work, is really important work, not just for people like me that struggled so much with it, but people that are maybe less traumatized and have less problems and just wanna figure it out and Mm -hmm. they wanna have a relationship that has that dharmic path to it, that there's really, A deeper purpose to the relationship than two people individually just fulfilling one another right that together there's something they can do in the world and seems like the lowest hanging fruit for that is to procreate and bring in souls to this plane that are all about up-leveling consciousness of humanity according to the highest good for all creation and when you look at it from that perspective, at least when I look at it, that's very exciting. That's not like, oh, I'm gonna build a career, or buy a Ferrari, or do this or that, and nothing wrong with any of those things, or buy a house and remodel a house and make it super cool and great. But there's a, you use the word at times, galactic. There's an intergalactic sort of manifestation of humans here on this planet at this time. And I think that it requires high consciousness individuals to bring in the souls that want to come and help us evolve to the next level of consciousness.
0: Yeah, it really does take a unified front, which is why I've been preaching over and over again, you know, the importance of kindness and compassion at a time like this. It just, just feel like I see so much judgment and canceling, attempts to cancel people and bullying even of spiritual teachers and supposed other spiritual people bullying and attempting to cancel other spiritual teachers and people. And it's insanity. So if we are really all truly here to help birth this new paradigm and this new earth and this new way, it's going to take us making a concerted conscious effort to be as kind and compassionate an understanding of one another as we can be, and thank you for your definition. Because, um, and I'm glad we have it on uh, on recording. Because now you just uh, wrote our about page on the on the website. <laughs> hey,
1: I like it. <laughs> the definition I like it. of yeah. Inspiration. On that note, and I know you have another recording in terms of the volatile nature of so many people's perspectives and interactions now with social media i think social media has done something that's really incredible and it's allowed us to connect and express ourselves and a person can be a brand or a company and and um, produce content and do the things like we're both doing but it also it gives cowards who have unresolved trauma an opportunity to try and off-gas some of their pain onto other people in a way that I doubt they would do if they were face-to-face with someone, and an app like Twitter would be a great example. I mean, I try to avoid it, but sometimes I fall prey to the addictive nature of the drama on Twitter, but you know, I'll see two guys going at each other, and I'm like, dude, if you were in a bar right now, like person A would not be talking shit to person B in the mm-hmm. way that they are on this app, or yeah. you know, the DMs that you and I get on Instagram sometimes from people that are just like so toxic and in so much pain that rather than going out and building something in their life and making a contribution, their solution is to attempt to dig into your heart and embed some shame that's too much for them to hold. You know, yeah. And I think your perspective, and, and not a perspective of like, oh, we're so much more evolved than that, because I have thoughts of wanting to punish people <laughs> all the time. I just, I resist You know, the vast majority of time. But I think that um, understanding that people that are acting out in this way and all this bullying and cancel culture and all of this toxicity, you have to just remember that there are people out there that have been deeply traumatized and hurt by a number of different means. And because those people have not been fortunate enough to come in contact with healthier ways to express themselves and to heal that pain or, or have come in contact with methods by which to do so, but have elected not to because of the inertia of their patterns that these perpetrators and not to condone their behavior, but they are actually truly victims.
0: Well, of course, but I mean, let's keep it really real though. We've Hmm. talked about this a number of times and I mean, I'm not trying to say that you're not keeping it real because you are, but there's a level of responsibility on all of our parts Mm -hmm. It's their responsibility to recognize that their pain body is over spewing and attempting to inflict pain unnecessarily onto others, onto the world at a time where that's the last thing we need. And then for those of us who are having the attempted spewing come on to us, it's our responsibility to stay the best we can in our power and hold a space of true unconditional love because of the exact reasons that you shared you know, but it's taken me years to get to where I'm at. And it's only been fairly recently where I was truly 100% genuinely able when haters, whatever we want to call, you know, these situations, um, some really horrifically untrue things were being said about me on social media, but I was really genuinely able to send that person love. Send those people love and to hold a space of unconditional love from the understanding of of what you shared. But there's a lot of work that goes into everyone doing their part to alleviate this.
1: I agree. And by my expression of compassion, as the seeming perpetrators being victims of their own minds and emotions and their past experiences, unconditional love for those people also includes shutting them the fuck down. When you have a child that's acting out and harming other people, unconditional love is not allowing that child to continue to harm other people. Unconditional love is shutting their ass down. And my saying is block and bless. You know, it's like, you want to come into my playground of, you know, this simulation we call social media and the internet and, you know, web forms and DMs and all this? Like, that's my house. It's a public house. You can come in but if you're here to spread hate and division in a
0: sacred space that you have worked hard to yeah, cultivate.
1: Yeah, then then I'm sorry and God bless but you're you're not allowed here. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not talking about being a doormat and and you know that but just for people listening. Yeah. Unconditional love also includes first and foremost actually it doesn't just include but is predicated on love for oneself and that is inherently going to determine how much shit i'm going to take or not take from people Mm -hmm. and for me personally i'm zero tolerance like i take no shit and i really i'm sure i don't do it perfectly but i do my best to not dish it out either Mm -hmm. you know and so uh it's it's an evolving process of of learning how to to interface in this world and especially in in the time that we're in because i'm very outspoken about my perception that what we're experiencing uh, from the powers that be over the past couple of years is uh, just an absolute assault on humanity and that it is being perpetuated by people that lack any form of empathy or integrity and that we are being duped in the most horrific of ways and um, a lot of people disagree with that because they trust the government they trust the pharmaceutical companies etc and um So there's a lot of division around that so for me there's always a balance of speaking my mind and sharing what i perceive to be the truth i don't know that i know it's the truth but it's my perspective uh sharing that which um is difficult to do without being pissed off you know it's like you have an observation okay you turn on the news and you're being lied to so terribly and people's lives are just being destroyed and children are being traumatized wearing these masks and all the things that we see in the world and people being now manipulated and coerced into taking experimental medications that have not passed any clinical trials and the companies that are pushing them have no legal liability whatsoever, if they're not safe, et cetera. You know, dancing in that world is fertile ground for people who are very attached to their point of view to attack. So it's an interesting place that we find ourselves in. And um, I just, for me, my, my line in the sand is like, I'm not gonna shut up about this. I'm not gonna hide. I don't care if people like me i'm not here to be popular i'm here to amplify truth as i see so fit until those truths are revealed to be something other than that
0: whether this lifetime or another
1: yeah here here's the closing principle on that take no shit, do Do no no harm
0: harm. Uh oh yeah i second that and um yeah, I just want to tune in before we go into your ceremonial offering if there's one last thing that I want to share on that piece just to button it up on my end. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I fully understand that we're all here. The purpose I call this Earth School. We're all here to learn and grow and evolve. And so that means taking into remembrance and consideration that everyone is here and doing that. But I, I will just say again, if you... Are someone who is feeling seething anger or, um, you know, and and feels some, some strong emotions that then the next step that you're wanting to take is to like spread hurtful or harmful or hateful things to another, especially in a public forum, especially if you've actually never met that person and actually do not know that person. I would recommend that you take a pause and that's where the bravest work of anyone's life comes in is when you want to just get those emotions out of yourself and you think that the solution is that next step that I said. The bravest act is to take a pause and to really face and confront yourself And to question if you are projecting, to question if your pain body is so big that you feel like you can't hold it, so you're just wanting to expel it. And to really ask yourself those hard questions and to go within and do whatever spiritual practices, meditation, breath work, whatever it is you need to come back to your center and come back to your own power and come back to some um, true healing solutions that don't exacerbate the pain on this earth.
1: Yeah, it's great advice. I mean, that's that's what I do. I I get triggered by people. I want to punish them, you know. And I'll pause, exactly what you said, pause and go, "Where is this coming from? This is coming because my ego is threatened and it's saying attack and that's the, you know, the way that it goes." And I'd also add to that that it's like choose your enemies wisely. Yeah. You know, for these people that are trying to cancel personal development coaches and spiritual teachers and health coaches. It's like, really, are those the people that are really at the root of societal's ills? What about DuPont? What about Monsanto? What about the corruption in the FBI, the CIA, the Democrat Party, the Republican Party? What about the fact that we're living on a fiat fake currency system perpetuated by the fraudulent Federal Reserve that impoverishes not only this nation, but Dismantles the economies of third world countries and indigenous peoples all over the world, right? What about abortions that are perpetuated in lower income neighborhoods? What about uh, widespread circumcision that creates unconscious men and on and on and on and on? Monsanto, Roundup in our food that's causing widespread disease and suffering. It's like there's such higher level battles to choose rather than. You know, attacking some meditation teacher that you feel is fake, or appropriating India, or whatever. It's like, okay, sure, but like, God, there's such there's such bigger battles. Geoengineering, you know, all of it. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, fight the power. But like, really, is the power an influencer on Instagram that you think is, you know, fraudulent or what, or you know, uh, ineffective or whatever? It's just there are bigger fish to fry. That would be my recommendation, too. Yeah. If you want to take that passion that you have to change the world, like think about who it is that's really in charge and why things are the way they are.
0: Yeah you know, donate to some kids in Cambodia or, you know, put your energies and resources. Yeah,
1: like how about human trafficking? Like yeah. if you're pissed off at some influencer on social media and you spend your day crafting these... Mm-hmm. these
0: Hate campaigns. You know,
1: hate campaigns for them and canceling this person and everyone piling on. Like, look at our border. Like, look at the suffering that's going on there, the human trafficking. I mean, we were speaking to someone the other night who's on the front lines of that. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of... Yeah. Of babies being, you know, really birthed into human slavery at this very moment, go fight that. Mm-hmm. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs>
0: Perfect way to end. <laughs> so we're gonna go into your ceremonial offering. Uh, do you want people? Was this be about five minutes? Just a brief probably little? less. Okay, great. So do you want people to sit up or lay down?
1: Let's go ahead and have people pull your car over if you're in one. Right this might be so powerful you'll crash. No, I'm just kidding, but uh, you know, it's always good to take a moment. This will change your life. I listen to podcasts constantly walking around, walking the dog, driving around. So uh, in an effort to create a little space, I'd recommend that someone takes a seat. And I am certainly no shaman, but I am someone who is in deep reverence of practices that have been carried on through the lineage from all walks of life, of all humans that came before us. And one truth remains consistent throughout all of these profound teachings that we've been so fortunate to receive. And that truth is that in stillness, we can find clarity. So I would encourage you to take a moment to be still to take a breath in, (sighs) a nice breath out, and to contemplate as you sit that apart from the breath that you just exerted your will to execute, that as you sit and feel into your body that rather than you breathing, there's something that's breathing you. And as that something breathes you, you could pose the question, what is that that's breathing me? Who is that? To take a moment to acknowledge the life we experience through our senses as we're embodied is gifted to us by something other than us. And you can test this by holding your breath for as long as you can, don't do it right now, but as an exercise in the observation of this truth It's as if consciousness has a purpose for us being in this body. And while we are not this body, because we're the ones observing the phenomenon, which the body experiences it through all of its amazing senses, we are in partnership with the body. And we can use our senses, the feeling of warmth in our heart, air going in and out of our lungs, the sounds of my voice, any sounds in the room where you are. Even with your eyes closed, there's a visual sense of a void. It's not that you don't see, you just see nothing. And through this instrument that we call a body, we can explore and acknowledge that there's an infinite power and a benevolent power that's helping us to stay alive in this body, to have the experience we're meant to, to have as i sit here our little dog cookie is having her experience of being in her body and acting out her truest nature which is to perceive threats in our environment and to inform us or those threats that she's aware of them and in just taking moments like this to just be still so much of what we perceive to be reality, can be reshaped and reformed and to acknowledge that when our eyes are open and we're active and our brain waves are in a beta state of activity, that we perceive everything around us to be real as we see it, when the truth is we perceive our environment and surroundings and our experiences as we are, not as they are. And so in tuning in to our inner perception, taking a moment of contemplation, we can realign ourselves and change our perspective. And we can fill our heart with a moment of gratitude that we've been given the gift of being here in the material plane and acknowledge the purpose of our existence. As Allison demonstrated earlier, by calling it Earth School, there's a curriculum here. What is it that you're here to learn? And perhaps more importantly, if there's something here for you to learn, for whose benefit are you learning? Surely it can't be just your own. And as we learn how to go within and take time to ourselves and for ourselves, we're able to come into contact with what that purpose is and to accept and acknowledge the mission, knowing ultimately that once our cup is full, we'll be better situated to help fill others. And in the dedication to service to oneself and to others, we find the ultimate purpose, meaning and fulfillment in our lives. And all the while it does require a pause. And as we continue to practice a pause as we are now, we can better learn how to be paused while we're active. And rather than taking time to meditate or taking time to pray, with practice our waking life can become a meditation and our waking life can become a prayer. And that prayer is in service and in gratitude to the Almighty Thank you for joining me.
0: Amen. Oh, that was a beautiful river you took us in. Thank you, honey. That was so powerful. Really brought me to a lot of important places within myself, so thank you.
1: Did for me too. Thank you, self. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah
0: and i just want to tell you again how much i love you and respect you and you know you're the most inspiring person i've ever known and just so admire how brave you've been to face so much throughout your life for so many years and such a testament you know of how this work really does work to um for both of us to be where where we are now and you know especially for you and your voyage and just thank you for being so kind and caring with me and with others and loving me so deeply and supporting me so much. You're just the greatest gift. So thank you. I love you.
1: I love you. You're so easy to love. Huh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. It is it requires such little effort. Uh it's um it's astonishing, really. I just adore you so much and I'm so so happy for you that you've found this way to express yourself that's really added so much to my life being able to find and interview fascinating inspiring people as you're so doing that i've been doing for five years it's it's really incredible way to spend your time yeah and um such a meaningful contribution to to others too i mean just people can sit and whether they resonated with parts or none or all of this conversation there are plenty of others out there on our podcast and elsewhere that can really inform us about the rules of life yeah. you know here in earth school you can you can learn the rules for free but each person i guess has to put in their own blood sweat and tears to get there but there is a way to live that um, is relatively free of suffering
0: yeah hopefully we gave you a few uh shortcuts. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's 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 really, I think, one of the gifts of experiencing some suffering is you can um, then help people to avoid it, not in a spiritual bypass, but in helping them to get to the root of the cause of suffering. Right. A heal, light bulb go off. To heal the root without having to go through the rest of the tree.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me, and thank you, everyone, for listening and going on this beautiful and very personal Ceremony Circle voyage with Luke and I today. As you all know, I like to close the circle out. So I'm just going to do some brief rattling to do so. Just sealing and closing this beautiful divine portal that we joined in together off. Oh, so it is. See you next time. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is Just my greatest honor, it brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible, embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.allysoncharles.com. So that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point. Moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience do so because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Alison Charles, And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes.